Well, my mother was a big woman who would just love to cook and feed people. She was a nurturer. So uh, my friends and I would come back from school and dump our books, and the first thing we knew, we were sitting down at the kitchen table, and she would be making uh, chocolate with the old batidor, Mexican chocolate, and everybody had this steaming, uh, frothy chocolate. And there was always cookies and tacos. And, and I stay in touch with some of my friends that I grew up with. Some then they were all scattered all over, but they would always reminisce about my mother's cooking and uh, the warmth in our house. My neighborhood was basically Italian, and uh, we moved well three or four houses in that neighborhood. But I went to public school and the kids from public school came from the other side of town. So there was a big mixture of uh, uh, immigrant families. And the Polish upstairs, we had uh, an Irish family and uh, Russian. And so I grew up with listening to all the different uh, languages. We, going into a friend's house was about entering a new universe, you know, my Jewish friends. And, and I remember uh, going to the house on Friday and there was always newspapers on the floor and mother yelling, don't bring the dirt in, you know. And um, of course in the Italian uh, houses, uh, the smells of uh, pasta and well, one neighbor uh, would grow uh, grapes and make his own wine. And all this polyglot of uh, impressions and tastes and smells, something I grew up with and I'm very sensitive to that. My father was an amateur photographer. Uh, he set up a little studio in the living room and he would photograph the neighbors when they had their confirmations or weddings. And, uh, in the bathroom he set up a little dark room and he would always ask me to come in, you know, the way I asked Pablo, come on in. And he would have me agitating the prints in the developer while he was setting up another print. And I swear I would never be a photographer because it was so boring in this dark room with this red light and the gurgling water and all I'm doing is agitating. Never say never. <laughs> so I became a photographer later, but only later in life after I had a career as, as a designer. After working 10 years as an art director for various magazines, 17 and Esquire, then I went on to advertising because I wanted to do things in fashion and working with uh, terrific photographers. I just watched what they did and finally I decided I just didn't want to go to another meeting and I didn't want to just sit at a desk and uh, be concerned about the politics of a structure or a corporation. So I gulped hard and came home one day, wrote a letter of resignation and my wife opened up the door. We had three kids then. He says, what are you doing? He says, oh, don't talk to me. I'm quitting my job. She closed the door. So I went in, turned in my letter of resignation, and everybody was kind of in awe of me, you know, so thinking, you're crazy, but boy. <laughs> and it worked. I started getting um, assignments from uh, Vogue magazine because I had done a lot of uh, pictures for my children, and that's what I showed. And they were, had a magazine called Vogue Children at the time. And I fit right in and I started doing that. And then a friend, a friend of mine was uh, Freddie Brenner, who was a men's fashion illustrator. We had worked at Esquire. 
His wife was Barbara Brenner, who wrote children's books. And we were having lunch one day at the house, and she said, you know, I have an idea for a book, and I think uh, photographs might be better than illustrations. It's called Faces. And uh, she asked me, would I like to try it? I said, sure. So I tried it, and I designed the book also. And we presented it, and they loved it. So we did another book together called Bodies, and then after that, uh, the editor said, uh, George, why don't you try writing a book? For me, write? You know, I never went to college. I know I was, I'm always a visual person. He said, well, you see, if you were to write the text, you would get the other 50% of the royalty. All right. So I wrote, and I did a book called The Monsters on Wheels. They liked it. They published it, and voila, I'm, a, I'm an author. To photograph people and leave, I, I've never wanted to be a journalist because of that. You go in, you get your story, and you uh, I, I had that feeling when I was doing the films for television because you had to come in, and they just need 30 seconds. And here I am in Tunisia, let's say, and, and I'm just getting to know people and uh, seeing and discovering things, and only 30, 30 seconds, you know, it's just not enough. And for me, for my experience, so that... Uh, discovering children's books just opened up uh, a lot of opportunities to get to know people, to be accepted by them, to live with them. And more than the book, I feel that it's enriched my life. I have friends and I have, uh, uh, I'm still in touch with uh, children that I photographed very early in the, and I recently went back to a wedding of the little boy from uh, Pablo Remembers. And I remember the, the father called me, collect. You know, and, um, you know, it's, Pablo's getting married. And he said, oh, well, I, I want to go. I want to go. Yes, can you come? So I went. And it was so touching to, be, to walk into the house. And uh, these kids who were, well, maybe like 6, 8, 10, 12 at the time, now are 21. 1917. Look at me with this shock and come and just throw your arms around me and begin to cry. And I cry, you know, I get teary eyed. And, uh, there's no substitute for that experience. Sure, I got a book, but I carry this in my heart all my life. And I'm a part of them and they are part of me. And where, wherever I go, the, the same thing happens. When I went to Mexico and I saw the way they spend the Day of the Dead, where they, the, the people get together like we do in, uh, for Thanksgiving, and they spend a day and a night with their dead relatives in the cemetery. And they, they clean the gravestones, and they light candles, they put flowers, they put food offerings. And it's time for prayer and contemplation, but also for enjoyment. Uh, the kids are running around playing, and people have uh, guitars, and they'll be singing. And I came back, and I thought, gee, I'd like to do something about that, about death is not something that you brush aside or you hide, but the Mexicans confront it, they mock it, they dance and, uh, as an affirmation of life. So I came up with this proposal, and I started sending it out to publishers. And by that time, I was doing one book after another. It was fine. But I couldn't get this one published. Everybody was 
rejecting it. I got 13 rejections over a period of five years until Susan Pearson at um, Lothrop Lee and Shepard looked at it and he says, I'll publish it. Well, uh, when I was in high school, I would go on Saturdays to the Brook Museum Art School and I would take a drawing class. And I knew that Rufino Tamayo was teaching there, although I didn't take a class with him. One day I took uh, my portfolio and showed it to him and I said, you know, I, I am Mexican, but I, I've grown up here but, and someday I'd like to go to Mexico. And he looked at my work and he said, well, when you come, this is my address, come and see me when I graduated. And I had saved $500 uh, over the summers and uh, from my work. And I took a Greyhound bus from New York to Mexico City. It took five days. So I arrived in um, Mexico City and I got a little hotel someplace and I went to see Rufino Tamayo, who was very cordial. And he wrote a note which uh, allowed me to go to the uh, Academia de San Carlos, which was the school where all the great painters went. And I, stud I took courses in fresco painting, the chemistry of painting, uh, drawing, and sculpture. And I, I was able to stay there for about three or four months because my money was running out by then. And I had some relatives in Mexico City, but not much. And I knew I had to get to the Yucatan to meet my grandparents and my uncles. And that's where my both families come from. So, um, but during that time in uh, Mexico City, there were wonderful opportunities to meet people. That They really went out of their way to get students to have experiences at the, um, at the theater, the dance theater. I, I met Jose Limon and saw his performance. And one of those performances, I went backstage. And there was um, uh, Diego Rivera and his wife, and he's a big man, and he looked down on me, I was introduced to him, and he said, oh, you must come to the house to have some mole. Well, he scared me, I didn't go. <laughs> we grew up Mexican in a, in a strange place. Aside from my parents, I had two uncles, and that's about it, and uh, two cousins that lived in the Bronx who I would see occasionally. And they were growing up the same way as I, sort of Mexican-American. And when I went to uh, Mexico for the first time and I met my Mexican cousins, and suddenly I was engulfed with family. You know, and it was so exciting. And I said to them, I finally I've gotten to be, you get me tierra, I've come to my, my country, to my land. And they looked at my shoes and they listened to my Spanish and said, uh-uh, you gringo. And I was crushed. <laughs> but over the success of years of going back, I, I kind of relish who I am because I have the best of both worlds. The Reading Rockets Meet the Author series is a production of WETA. Major funding for Reading Rockets comes from the United States Department of Education, Office of Special Education Programs. For more author interviews, recommended reading lists, and information about teaching kids to read, please visit us online at www.readingrockets.org.